This morning we wrap up a series from the book of Hebrews. Um, and next week we're going to begin a new series called Joseph, Living the Dream. And so we're going to look at the life of Joseph. We're going to spend basically the month of June and July looking at that story at the end of Genesis. So um, I, I think it's going to be really a good series. We're going to talk about the providence and sovereignty of God through that. And so I, I hope you will be here next week for that series. Um, but as we end this series today, I want to begin by reading from Hebrews 12, a passage Mike read just a moment ago. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such great opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So as we get to the end of this series, the the series has been so heavy theologically at different times. Um, talking about the Old Testament. I wanted to make sure as we kind of turned the corner and left it with you that it was ended in a really practical way that made sense um, in your everyday life. And I I love this passage because over the past about five or six years, I've become a runner. Um, Running for me growing up in high school was called punishment. Um, it, It was something you did when you got in trouble. And the coaches would say, hey, you need to go run. And it was either running poles and baseball or running around the track and football. Where, wherever they could find to make you run, they would do it. And so it was always punishment. But later on in life, I began to develop kind of a love for it um, and got into things like running um, half marathons and marathons and triathlons. And one of the things I've discovered is in those times, you have a lot of time by yourself to think. Um, When you're running miles and miles at a time, there are a lot of thoughts that come in and out of your head. Some of them really good and some of them pointless and don't matter. But over the years I've developed this discipline of running, I've had some thoughts that stuck with me. Some, some things that I think are really practical as it relates to Hebrews 12 here as he talks about running this race that I think would be really helpful for everyone to under, understand. And the good news for you is I cut the list down to about seven. So there, there are seven running thoughts that I've had over the years as I've run that have kind of stuck out to me that I've realized that are important that are really, really important for you as you run this race with perseverance, this race that's marked out as we set our eyes and fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith. And so I want to share with you these running thoughts this morning as we wrap up this series. The first one is this, don't miss a day. Don't miss a day. You will not be as prepared for what you will encounter tomorrow. Um, This process of preparation is something that has to happen every day. 
there is a reason that um, endurance sports require discipline. There is a reason this spiritual journey requires discipline. It is spiritual disciplines that build you as a follower of Jesus, and you cannot miss a day. It has to be something that's ingrained in your life that you are doing every day. Um, As Jesus talks in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will be called children of God. Or, I'm sorry. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Everything that Jesus says through that sermon, everything that he teaches, everything that he talks about is so countercultural and so against the grain of who we are as individuals. And that discipline is what forms us and prepares us for the next day. Because what you're going to find is in life that you are prepared more tomorrow by the things you experience today. You will go through some difficult times, and they will help to prepare you for what comes next. But when you face those difficult times, it's prayer, it's reading, it's gathering with your brothers and sisters, it's learning, it's studying, it's silence, it's Sabbath, it's fasting, it's rest. It's these disciplines that form you to prepare you to take on the difficult times that are going to come. See, here's the thing, is you will face difficulty. You will face hardship. There will be some things that come along that knock your breath out, that take your breath away, that make you pause, that make you hurt, that make you need to heal. But it's that preparation and that formation that gets you to the point where you're prepared for what you're going to face next. See, Hebrews is about this system that was built around an experience with the divine. Experiencing God. Being with Him. And there was the holy place where the priest could enter, and there was the most holy place where only God dwelled. And through the cross and through the death of Jesus, this place where God dwelled was made now available to all. And that God would dwell not in this temple built with human hands, but He would dwell within the believers and each and every one of us. And so this is a daily journey. It is a walk that we continue on every day. Second, is kind of um, a little bit different from the first, but a rest day is mandatory. Yes, you have to keep going every day. But a rest day is mandatory. As much as I would like to keep pushing forward, my body, soul, and mind need to rest. One of the things you discover in training is eventually your body gets tired. And everything that you're doing seems to be counterproductive to the overall goal. But if you stop for a minute and you'll rest for a day, your body rebuilds and it recovers and it's able to do more with what it has. 
And there's this principle that Jesus takes from God in the creation story. Where God works for six days in creation. And then on the seventh day, he rests. He steps back from the work that he's done. And he pauses. He ceases to do work. Because it's this rhythm that has to happen for your soul to be revitalized and to be filled. See, most of us, especially in our culture, know how to work, 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 work. And even when we're off, we find ways to work. And maybe the better question is not when do you work, but when do you find time to rest? When do you find time to be still? When do you find time to not do something with your hands? When do you find time to just be in the presence of God and let that be enough for the day? And be okay with it? Because for most of us, and I'll tell you for me, it's really difficult to do. Because there is always more that needs to be done. And so as they're talking in Hebrews, the author, the preacher, he's telling these people, one of the things he does is he encourages them to take this Sabbath, to take this rest, because this rest points to this greater rest that is coming. This greater rest that we have in Christ. But in looking forward to that, don't neglect the rest that you need every week. There's this passage in Mark that we looked at several weeks ago as they begin to challenge Jesus about the Sabbath day. They begin to challenge him about taking rest and about following the rituals that they're given. And Jesus says to this crowd, he says, wait, 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 you need to understand this. Sabbath was given to man. Sabbath was made for man. Man was not made for the Sabbath. See, Sabbath is a gift from God. And it's a trusting gift. It's trusting that God can do as much in six days of work, in His power and in His Spirit, as you can do in seven days in yours. And so there has to be time that we step back and that we rest from the work that we are doing. The third one is this. Nutrition matters. One of the things you learn really quickly is what you put into your body will affect what is able to come out. What you put in will affect what you are able to do. Because I can promise you if you eat cheeseburger and fries and a Dr. Pepper the night before you run 15 miles, you will die the next day. And not only will you probably die, you probably won't make it to the end. Because your body needs fuel for energy. 
your body needs that sustenance to keep you going. And it not only in those longer workouts, it needs stuff in the middle of the workout. One of the things that the Philippians writer, as Paul writes in Philippians, he, he reminds us, and I think this is so, so, so important today. In our world where negative talk is coming at you constantly, where everything you see seems to be bringing you down. Listen to what Paul says as he's finishing this letter to the Philippian church. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And whatever you have learned or received or heard from or seen in me, put into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. What you put in will affect what comes out. The Pharisees were so consumed with what people saw on the outside. Jesus said, you're like whitewashed tombs. It's this tomb with a crack in it, and it's just painted over. It's whitewashed so that no one sees, but the crack is still there. And what happens to your heart, your soul, your mind, is you forget to fill it with good things. As you forget to connect with God and His Spirit through daily prayer and reading, through weekly gathering together with God's people, what happens is eventually what starts to come out is so unlike Christ. And your heart will begin to thirst. And your soul will struggle to find breath because you are not feeling, filling it with good things. You turn on the news, you turn on the radio, and there is constantly negative messages. And we think, well, and I remember thinking this in high school, well, just watching that movie, it doesn't really matter, but it does. Do you remember in high school, and especially if you're a little younger, you would start listening to things or watching things with, with profanity in it? And it would become so much easier to allow that to come out of your mouth. Like what you put in matters. And, and I just ask, what, what is it that you're filling your soul with day after day after day? Is that the rhythm of your life? Is that a discipline that you practice? Is it something that is so important to you that it gives you strength, that gives you energy, it gives you sustenance, it gives you strength to go forward? Number four is this. Endure the pain. It is temporary, and growth comes through pain. I, I can promise you, there are going to be times when it hurts. There are going to be times when it is difficult. 
to keep going. There are going to be times when you think, I, I can't do anymore. There's going to be times as you follow Jesus where everything around you seems to be shaky and not like it's solid footing. And when we feel that insecurity, what we want to do is we want to go back to safety. For, these, these writer, or for the writer here in Hebrews, he's encouraging these Jewish, I'm sorry, he's encouraging these Christians to continue to follow Jesus when things, things seem difficult, when, when they're going through hard times, when they're going through opposition. He, he starts to talk about all the things that they've encountered in Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, verse 32. Remember those earlier days after you had received the light, when you endured great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You will come to points in your journey as you follow Jesus where it seems difficult to keep going. Where the pain seems too much to bear. But in those moments, we keep pushing forward. We keep doing all that we can do. Because sometimes that run has to become a walk. It has to slow down just so that you can keep going. But regardless of the pace, the important thing is that you keep moving forward and that you don't stop. Keep pushing forward. In Romans, as Paul writes... He tells the, the believers this. Not only so, but we, are also, we also glory in our suffering. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. He, he talks about perseverance leading to character. It produces within us character. And that character gives us hope. Um, I've told so many of y'all, and you know the story of our friend Brody, who has um, just come home from Memphis. He's battling brain cancer. And one of the things that I've heard his mom and grandmother say several times is we have so much hope. One of the coolest things that happened is right when Brody was diagnosed, as he prayed, God, I want you to completely heal me, whatever that may be. Now for a nine-year-old to pray that, the perseverance that he is encountering is producing this incredible character 
in this character is leading to hope. The perseverance is so important because you will face difficult times. But you have to keep going through the pain because growth always comes through the difficult pain that you will endure. So number five. The most challenging terrain you will face is internal. The most challenging terrain you will face is internal. If you go for a long run or you go for a a long ride, you will encounter some hills. Especially if you live in East Texas. And, And you will see those hills, but the difficulty is not as much the hill as it is what your mind is telling you about the hill. What, what you face, this internal dialogue of, of talking yourself through it, that I can do this, I can keep going, I can keep pushing through. Yesterday, um, I went on a long ride with some friends, and we made this long climb. You know where the big scenic lookout is off 69, and you make this big, big climb up, and you get to the top, and your heart feels like it's about to explode. But one of the things I noticed was about a, a maybe a quarter mile up this massive climb. I'm sitting there telling myself, I'm done. I can't do this. I can't do this. And I had a friend who was passing me, saying, no, you can. Keep Keep going keep pushing. See, the beauty of of this journey is that it's not on your own. That you have all these other people here walking beside you on the same path. And not only that, the God of the universe now dwells in his people. You have this fellowship, this communion with Him, and He promises that His Spirit, who raised Christ from the dead, now lives within you. And it gives you power, and it sustains you, and it gives you strength. Think about it. God, who raised Jesus from the dead, is the same power and Spirit that lives within you that strengthens you, that sustains you, that gives you life. In Hebrews 10, verse 19, it says, Therefore, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, through the cross we now enter into God's presence. It's not through a priest It's not through someone else. It's you entering into the most holy place, the presence of God himself. By a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere, with a a heart, a sincere heart and a with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. 
that, that God himself dwells with his people. And he comes inside of you to begin to rearrange your life. To reorder it. To make you more loving and compassionate and kind and generous. And to get out the lust and the anger and the greed and the selfishness that so easily entangles us. That that, that comes off, that we become not entangled by it, not through our own strength and our own power, but through God's Spirit working within us to bring out what is good and right and pure. Because what you put in matters and affects what comes out. Number six is this. Support is a necessity. Support is a necessity. You need the accountability and the encouragement. In Hebrews 10 verse 23, he says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds and not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. See, I think part of the problem in this Hebrew church was they had gotten out of the habit of coming together. Like there is something so important. And it's not that we come here to experience God because God now dwells inside of us. But we come to experience God in one another. We, we come and we worship God together. Collectively we gather to encourage. Because there are days where your faith is going to struggle. And you need someone to have faith for you. You need someone else who sees the bigger picture, who sees all God is doing in this world, that you can say, I know you're in the middle of some difficult times. I know you're going through some difficult things right now. But let me tell you how I see God at work. Because when you're in the middle of it, it's almost impossible to see it. You, you know this. Because you see it on the other side as you look back. You get up, you get through it, and then you look back and you say, wow, I see how God was over all of this. I see how his providence was orchestrating everything. I see how he was putting everything in place. But you don't see it in the middle. You see it on the other side. And we need one another who can point out the way God is at work in our world and in our life. Because there are times when you will struggle to see it. There are going to be times when you start to question, where is God in all of this? Where is God in the difficulty? Where is God in the hurt? Where is God in the loss? Where is God in the conflict that seems so strong in our world right now? Where is He? And my assumption is that there are others in here who might be able to see things that we can't. And who can point and say, no, no, I, I know it's difficult right now, 
but I see Jesus at work in this world. I see him at work. And so gathering together is so important. I think one of the the biggest things we have going right now, one of the most difficult things we have to navigate is kids' activities. It is so hard now. Because where Sunday used to be a sacred and holy day, in much of our world it's not. And I have friends all the time that say, well, yeah, but wherever we go, we'll, we'll go to church somewhere. But listen, the point is not that you go to church somewhere. It's that you gather with your church family. Because you need them to walk alongside of you. And I'm not saying it's easy. There are some difficult decisions we have to make in that. It's not easy. But it is so important that we gather. That we come together as a body. That we encourage each other. That we lift each other up. Because we need the accountability. We need the encouragement as we follow Jesus together. I remember the very first race I ever did. It was a long distance race. It was a half Ironman. And if you don't, in that race, you swim 1.2 miles, you ride 56 miles, and then you run 13 miles. Point one. (laughs) And I had gotten off my bike, and I was beginning my run. And I was about a half mile into my run. And I had the absolute worst cramps in my quads that I'd ever had in my entire life. To the point where I could not not straighten my legs. They were locked. And I had run a half a mile of 13.1. And I had some friends from Cleburne who had come down to Galveston for something else. And they had actually come out to the race and I didn't know they were going to be there. And about a third, three-fourths of a mile in, just right after the cramps had hit me, I'm walking with stiff legs like Frankenstein, thinking there is no way I'm going to do this. And Randy and Julie Mayfield, I see them out of the corner of my eye, and they start cheering for me and clapping and yelling. And my goal then became not to finish the race, but to make the first loop of the course so that I could see them again. Because I knew if I could get to them again, they were going to be there to encourage me again, to keep moving me forward. And you need it. You need it. That's why we gather. That's why we share in this time together every week, because it is essential for our journey as we follow Jesus. The last one is this, number seven. You are in the scene, but you are not the main character. You are in the scene, but you are not the main character. One of the things I think I've I've found in my life is at times it seems that my world starts to revolve around me. What's going on in my life? And it's all about me. And if you go do a big race, 
there are thousands of other people there. And, and suddenly you realize that you're not on center stage. There's a whole lot of other people doing this with you. And for this first Christian audience that the Hebrew writer is talking to, they, they have this mindset that, that Moses was the main character, or that Abraham, or Melchizedek, or the angels. And he keeps saying, no, 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 they were just role players. They were a part of the story, but they were pointing to something greater. They were pointing to something bigger than themselves. It was not about them. It wasn't about Moses, and it wasn't about Abraham, and it wasn't about Melchizedek, and it wasn't about David. It wasn't about these men and women of faith. They were a part of the story, but they were pointing to something greater in the story. That's why he says, now, fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Because what happens when you don't, when it becomes about you, then it becomes a race against one another. And the goal of the race is never to win it. It's to finish it. It's to make it to the end. But the goal for the Hebrew writer is not for them to finish the race. His goal, his agenda, is that they would fix their eyes on Jesus. Because if they will fix their eyes on him, if they will find him, then they will finish the race. If they'll fix their eyes on him, he will take care of them. If they'll fix their eyes on him, he will be enough to sustain him. He is the prize, not the medal at the end. He is the prize. He will always be enough. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on him. He is always enough. What happens when you begin to race one another is you begin comparing yourself to one another. And you're always comparing the things you know about yourself with the people you don't know anything else about. You don't know what their circumstances have been. You don't know what their training is like. You don't know what their discipline is like. It's not about beating them. The most important thing is that you're still running the race. That you're still moving forward. That you're following Jesus to the end. The goal is always to focus on Him. Not to look at the finish line, but to look at Jesus. And so he says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, not main characters, role players, since, since we're surrounded by all these other believers, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. 
fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before Him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Today, as you follow Jesus, may you fix your eyes on Him. And may He always be enough to sustain you and give you life every day as He transforms you more into His likeness. Father, today, we pray that You would transform us, change us, make us new. Father, we thank you that through the cross we encounter the risen Jesus alive and living with us, empowering us in this world. Father, may your spirit give us life. May it quench us. Father, may it be enough today and every day as we fix our eyes on you, the author, the perfecter of our faith. And Father, may we focus on all that you endured, that it would produce in us the same image of your Son. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite our shepherds, I want to invite everyone to stand, invite our shepherds and ministry staff to the back of the auditorium at this time. And remind you, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and run the race with perseverance marked out for us. If you've never given your life to Christ, we offer you the invitation this morning to come to Him, have your sins washed away, begin new life in Christ today. But if we could pray for you in any way, we'll have our ministry staff, shepherds around the auditorium. We would love to pray as we stand and we sing.